top priority for the president, what our policy teams are working on every single day. They obviously, there was a trip to the border uh, this weekend. They are working uh, over the course of every day uh, since then on putting in place policies that can help address what we're seeing and, and help ensure that we are uh, keeping these kids safe and moving them as quickly as possible from uh, border patrol facilities to, uh, to shelters where they can have access to educational resources, health resources, mental health resources, legal aid, etc. There are reports out there that the number of unaccompanied migrants detained at the border has tripled in the last two weeks to 3,200 plus. Is that number accurate? I'm not going to confirm numbers from here. Uh, obviously, the Department of Homeland Security and others are oversee the programs and the engagements that happen at the border. I will say that there are a couple of reasons. Uh, I know Amr asked about our kind of change in policy, but there are a couple of reasons why we think people are coming to the border. Of course, uh, individuals are fleeing countries where individuals and families are, you know, they're fleeing prosecution, fleeing violence, fleeing economic hardships and other things. The region has also experienced two hurricanes in the fall, putting further stress on the conditions in these countries and the circumstances that are facing individuals. And all of this is taking place during a global pandemic that has impacted other countries' economies, placing undue hardships on its people, just as it did in the United States. So there are also a range of factors that are leading individuals to come to the border. You confirm that number. That's a very important number. Uh, I, 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 we've been very clear uh, that there is an increase, that there are more children coming across the border than we have facilities for at this point in time. Uh, those numbers are tracked by the Department of Homeland Security, so I'm certainly, I'm just suggesting that you talk to them about specifics. Well, we to them, Jen, they won't confirm the numbers. Well, I, I would encourage you to go back to them and ask them again. We're not going to confirm them from the White House. It's not our program. It's the Department of Homeland Security. The department, is the White House encouraging the department to release those numbers? And in the spirit of transparency that the Secretary promised here at this point? We, we certainly encourage transparency, but what what I also think is important is to talk about what the root causes are here. Wow, Jen Psaki, even with the press that is on her side, that is on Team Biden, that actively campaigned against borders and against Donald Trump, even with that press in the room, Jen Psaki comes across as one of the most heinously untransparent, unwilling to cooperate, and frankly, I've said it before, I'll say it again, 90 IQ individuals, one of the worst in Washington, D.C., that I have ever come across. I had no idea when she took this job that she was going to be just this reprehensible a human being to, to to fail not just to confirm on a basic question of how many people are coming to the u.s border but then to say oh you asked homeland security and they didn't tell you eh, why don't you go back and ask them again i mean this this is nothing if not emblematic of the wider disdain that this regime has for you ladies and gentlemen and it is emblematic of just how they intend to treat the nation which is to say porous and perhaps even non-existent i'm raheem kassam editor-in-chief of the national pulse.com welcome to another episode of the national pulse tuesday march the 9th a little later on today um the year of our lord 2021 thank you so much for joining us here and listening and thank you so much for your likes subscribes shares and indeed your donations you can support us at the national pulse.com forward slash support right without further ado i want to bring into the conversation a man who has written the article that i wish uh, i had written his name is 
Todd Bensman. He is a senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies and even previously worked uh, for the Texas Department of Public Safety's Intelligence and Counterterrorism Division. Todd, thank you for taking the time this evening and joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Todd, you have written the piece that I have wanted to write for the last couple of days. I spoke with uh, Steve Bannon just after one of our warm episodes last week, and I said to him, look, uh, this is is Europe's migrant crisis writ large. I even remember doing an interview with Sean Hannity on his radio show just ahead of the 2016 election, where I said, listen, if you think Angela Merkel was bad, wait and see what happens if you get Hillary Clinton. Now, I can't find that clip anywhere to play it for my audience it's to prove uh, my prescience in that regard because I think I used the word hag in the interview and the station pulled it down because I was being being you know offensive or something I don't know but Todd you have written the piece and frankly you've written it better than I could have something that struck me it's 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 the lead story up at the nationalpulse.com everybody's got to go to it everybody's got to share it. it's called Europe's migrant crisis still yielding terror foretells the effects of Biden's border crossing boom and Todd the thing that stuck out at me immediately you know I don't know if you know my background Todd I wrote the book No Go Zones back in 2017 I went to all these highly highly uh, migrant dominated neighborhoods both across Europe and the United States and I couldn't for the life of me understand how Americans didn't get what was going on in Europe at that time because surely you would have heard of the you know, this mass stabbing that went on in Sweden. And then, oh my goodness, Todd, I've lived here for five years, and your opening paragraph is about an attack that I hadn't even heard of. Well, it's true that the uh, European press uh, doesn't is not eager to uh, talk much about these attacks. Mm. And for one thing, uh, it's because they have some fatigue over it, for six years now, since the migrant crisis, uh, quote, I'll put air quotes around that, mm. of 2015, there's been nonstop bloody mayhem from one end of that continent to the other, stabbing attacks and shooting attacks and bomb plots. And uh, almost every other week or every month or two, there's another one. And um, they invariably involve, if you just dig a little bit deeper, you find that these are people that came from Muslim-majority nations over the border, smuggler-aided trips over the borders, either by land or sea. Uh, And so what we have here really is a, in my view, a brand-new terror travel tactic of infiltrating borders, right? Mm. Because you can camouflage very easily over... Uh, borders among great a great many other benevolent, more benevolent kind of migrants. And that's Europe's experience, experience and it's a laboratory-perfect exper- experiment for the Americans to pay attention to, but it has never happened in six years. The uh, Not even in the Trump administration, really, did they pay much attention to what had happened in Europe. 
It's extraordinary, and like you say, it was it was a you know an experiment heralded by Angela Merkel, as you represent in your article as well. Um, I, I have been sitting with the words Angela Biden on my screen for several days, as, as I said, you know, <laughs> planning to write this article, but never getting around to it. So I was so grateful when when you did it, and you reference. Uh, Angela Merkel, she said on August the 24th, 2015, yes, we'll take a million. What she was talking about was this 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 disagreement between European nations over who should take what and, and how many could fit in. And Germany's nationwide response as a result of Angela Merkel, at least from its, its political leadership's response, <laughs> I, I will stress not the German people's response, um, was not just yes, we'll take a million, as you write in your piece, but she actually gave the impression that as many people uh, as are out there that want to come in, we will accommodate that. And and of course, Todd, you're going to tell us, how did that work out for Germany? How did it work out for German uh, uh, wages? How did it work out for, you know, I, I was we were told they were all engineers and doctors and nurses and, you know, they're all going to come and enrich people's lives. How did it work out for triple digit crime, uh, percentage crime rises across German towns and cities, Todd? Well, the the migrate the migration really uh, changed the fundamental demographic of uh, many of those European countries as we know now. Uh, but um, you know, there are really some uh, crime statistics that you know are you know you you can't help you can't help but um, you know notice these things that in for example the city of Cologne you had you know mass rapes happening. You've had a, a really um, uh, ongoing outbreak of, you know, weirdly uh, rape, because I don't really understand what's going on with that. There yeah. are probably people who are greater experts uh, than I, but really the the main issue that I write about and my book, uh, America's Covert Border War, mm. uh, which is just out, the entire chapter one is devoted to what happened in Europe, to Europe's catastrophe. And if you figure that there there were you know two three four million uh, migrants that came in, uh, a relative small number, uh, maybe 150 200 of them were jihadists who many of them purposefully deployed within this migration flow, and very small numbers had very wide consequences for all of those nations electorally. Uh, Brexit is directly attributed to the Paris and Brussels terror attacks. Uh, the Brits were not planning to have to, to allow that. Yeah. Uh, Todd, I to should know. I, I, I wrote Nigel Farage's speeches with him immediately after that uh, after that event took place. And I, I'm glad you brought this up. You, you, I wanted to make mention of it, and I, it just escaped me. So my apologies, Todd. But yeah, the, Todd's book, the new book, America's Covert Border War, is an absolute must. It's an absolute must read and, and endorsed by some of the, the finest experts in this in this area, uh, Todd. I'm, I'm, ca- I'm cautious that we, we, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long here on this Tuesday evening. Uh, we'll, we'll, and, and I do want to make sure that we get you on the war room as well, which th- this audience all, I think, consumes also to go into more detail on this. So I'll, I'll just speak this along a little bit to, to here in the United States, 
Todd, because I, look, I was the one who broke the Cologne story of the New Year's Eve mass sexual assault and rape story in the English language. We saw it floating around some local German newspapers. One of my colleagues brought it to me. I said, there's no way this is true. This cannot possibly be true. And then after, you know, an evening and a morning of, of looking, just pouring over the detail and the information, we decided to report it. We were pilloried by the British press for doing so. And I think the American press for doing so at the time. Turns out we were absolutely correct. And that did actually take place. So let's, let's bring it over here to the United States. Because some people will go, yeah, but that's Europe, and that's you know people coming from uh, the Middle East and the Levant and 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 those areas and North Africa into Europe. That won't be taking place at the Southern American border, will it, Todd? Well, every year there is uh, there are somewhere between uh, three to four thousand migrants who reach the U.S. southern border from all of those countries, uh, Muslim majority countries, and the uh, Northern Africa, the Horn of Africa, South Asia, and the Middle East. And they're able to make it over the Atlantic with the aid of these very specialized human smugglers. Uh, quite a few of them over the years have turned out to be jihadists that were apprehended in Latin America on their way to the border. Uh, there are a st- And at the border, uh, there are established routes that enable that bridge the Atlantic so that this is a possible uh, route into the United States. And one thing that I think, and I, I try to point this out in the store, in this, the piece on your, on your site today is that that jihadists are able to operate best in this circumstance by uh, meaning that they're able to cross the borders when border control, border management systems have broken down under the weight of volume, of human volume. And that is where we are right now at the U.S. southern border. The, the, the normal systems that we have for vetting and detention and processing are breaking down very rapidly right now, just like they did in Europe when that happened. And jihadists, thrive on that. That that is how they get through. And so the the, the fear here and the heightened uh, threat, in my view, is that those extracontinental migrants, those uh, they call them special interest aliens in government jargon, uh, are able to, will be able to get into the United States through the border without the vetting that is necessary. The covert border war that I talk about does have cordons and vetting set up and and government programs that are in place but those government programs the covert border war falls apart in circumstances like this just like they did in europe our guest is todd benzman uh todd you've written this book america's covert border war which which really tackles the issues we're talking about here look we we hear on a day-to-day basis about the gun running and the drug running and the human trafficking and the cartels and of course everything else that comes you know the 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 willful and wanton dilapidation of America's electoral system, by the way, at the hands of of, of illegal migration into the country. There are all these different elements to it, but one that you don't hear a lot of is what you're talking about here, and that is the the potential for jihadist infiltration. Just tell our audience a little bit about, I think you you put this book together over the course of 13 years? 
Yeah, this is a long uh, running project in lots of different pieces. You know, there was a thesis along the way. There was a five part news series that I did back in 2007. I've traveled all over the world for this, uh, for the reporting, Syria, Jordan, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico. I've been on the migrant trails. I've interviewed uh, the migrants that we're talking about, Iranians, Bangladeshis, Pakistanis, Lebanese, you name it, I've interviewed them on the, on the way in. And the, the, really the, the, the reason why this is such an obscure, uh, sort of almost discredited topic is because when, I'll just take you back about a year and a half ago when President Trump mentioned that Middle Easterners were coming over the border and some of them were, were terrorists, and you saw the reaction of the American media establishment. It went insane. They absolutely uh, beat the president to, into submission over a period of three months, saying that he was a liar. There were no migrants. There was no threat. The whole thing was a fear-mongering lie was how they were putting it. But I just knew better that the, uh, that the American homeland security establishment had these major programs, counterterrorism programs in place that had been for 15 years uh, straining that, that migrant traffic for jihadists all along in quiet, in, in secret. Uh, so I just felt like, you know, this is not a discreditable threat idea. Uh, there have been uh, a lot of jihadists apprehended, people on terror watch lists, uh, coming in, the book describes in great detail anecdote after anecdote that have never been published before about those apprehensions, those captures. Uh, and I just wanted to um, put on the record that, you know, this is a uh, it's a threat issue that belongs right in there with drug running and all the other regular uh, homeland security problems, too. We just have to uh, use this as a reference guide, I guess, for uh, how to how to think about it. And if we're not thinking about it, these guys are one day going to attack. I mean, they're, they're going to do it. It's right. uh, we've prevented it so far, but but it's just a matter of time. And 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 you know, my sympathies lie incredibly with America at this point in time, Todd, especially because I warned about this. Back in 2014 and 2015 in Europe, they told me I was an Islamophobic nutcase and that it would never happen. And of course, it continues to happen. Hence the title of the article, Europe's Migrant Crisis Still Yielding Terror foretells the effects of Biden's border crossing boom. We heard this morning, Todd, from uh, CNN of all places, that they had gotten wind that there was more than 100,000 migrants either apprehended or arrested uh, at the southern border uh, in the past four weeks. That is the highest it's been in over half a decade. And in particular, I want the audience to understand this. And Todd, it's your first article for us at the National Pulse. I hope it will be the first of, of a great many. You're, you're a great writer, and you get right to the point in this article. I, I, I want to make sure that people understand the picture choice, which was, which was mine on this article, and, and, and that you understand it as well, Todd, because, you know, these things, the way the site's laid out and these things, the way it's presented, it's very important to us. And it's important because the left always seems to be winning the war on aesthetics and, and, and 
coolness and how things appear and that's why the pulse is laid out the way it is the picture i've chosen today is a picture that landed a lot of politicians from nigel farage to victor orban in quote-unquote trouble with their political and media establishments a lot like the trouble uh, you mentioned todd that president trump found himself in when addressing this issue on the u.s southern border it is a picture they say that has nazi overtones because it's very similar to a a scene in some obscure nazi film about the jews you know they're all they're all in a line that's that's winding around you know one of these nonsense uh claims that that uh they will use to attack people who are actually worried about effects of mass migration that include the mass persecution of Jews, as we've seen in Europe over the last couple of years and beyond, as a result of the importation of fighting-age Muslim men who, guess what, have been taught their whole lives to hate Jews, uh, to hate the state of Israel, uh, to be anti-Semitic in everything they do. So, so the picture choice was almost kind of winning this this image back as a as a forewarning to America, as a forewarning about the images that we saw in Europe at the time. So, I just wanted to I wanted to add that uh, on Todd to, to allow people to really you know fully immerse themselves in what's going on here. Let's come back to that number. That number is staggering. That number that came out this morning was staggering. And you heard at the beginning of this show, Jen Psaki refusing to confirm these details. Todd, I would have imagined that with your wealth of experience and and, and where you work, a very respectable uh, institution, organization, you know, uh, CIS has, has been around for, for ages and ages doing this kind of work. It is it is relied upon by, by uh, government, by other governments uh, around the world, by uh, media sources. It's... You know, known for being accurate and cautious and reporting the truth. So, Todd, I would have imagined that this Biden regime have welcomed you in with open arms and said, please help us solve this crisis at the border. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's not going to happen uh, ever. Uh, but you're right. I mean, listen, this is we are in the midst of a bona fide border crisis. This is a humanitarian crisis. We're in it. Uh, there is no denying it at all. And a hundred thousand is nothing. Mm. You are going to see these numbers skyrocket month by month by month as we go forward. Because what happened was that the uh, Biden campaign, even before uh, the election, was messaging very loudly and forcefully. In fact, all the Democratic uh, primary candidates were messaging. Uh, about who was going to be the most welcoming, who was going to lend the most in, who was going to bestow the most gifts upon the migrants, and who was going to open the gate the most wide. And so those messages were heard loud and clear as a clarion call throughout the world of aspiring migrants. And they began coming... Uh, when during the uh, toward the end of the campaign, when it looked like Biden might win, had a good chance of winning. And once he did win, they the crush was on uh, and they have just been massing. They've been coming uh, with force in caravans in South America, lots of Middle East, by the way. Uh, and uh, and they're pouring over the border now because. In a lot of places on the border, the Biden administration has reintroduced catch and release, which is by far the most powerful incentive for migration that exists on the planet. Mm. Uh, When you do catch and release, you message to the entire world that everybody gets in. 
and they gutted deportation. There's no deportation happening right now, even for hardened criminals. So once you're allowed to come in, you are allowed to stay in. There's no fear of deportation. So naturally, uh, this is all just um, tailor-made for a you know, massive flow like the photo that you uh, have on your website over my story. It's going to look, it already looks like that. Right. It's, it's, Uh, it's a very um, stark and, and scary picture that you, that you paint here, Todd, you say hundred thousand is, is nothing compared to the numbers that, that we will be seeing. Is it in your estimation a fait accompli at this point? Is there anything that people can do? Is there any action people can take to try and, to try and curtail the, the, reckless actions of of this of this frankly i'll speak for myself i don't speak for you todd illegitimate regime no uh no the the administration by i've been watching carefully they they know what's happening they're worried some of them on the inside are worried about it for political reasons optics uh that there there could be uh, the optics of it uh at at some point the regular media i think you mentioned cnn Mm. Uh, you know, they're gradually being forced to cover this thing. Uh, so, but, but the, they're doubling down there. I heard uh, Alejandro Mayorkas the other day in a White House press briefing actually tell the migrants, Don't, we're not telling you not to come. We're just saying, come in a little bit while we get ready for you. Right. That's like, that's un- unheard of for the nation's top law enforcement official to tell migrants that the borders open like that, just come in a little bit later. We're getting re- getting things ready for you so that we have a system. Well, of course, they're not even waiting. They're pouring over. I've interviewed uh, border patrol agents in recent days who describe uh, truckloads showing up on the other side of the Rio Grande River filled with you know 50 or 80 migrants at a time, and they all get out and rush the border patrol and two of them get caught and everybody else keeps going. And that's the kind of thing that's happening up and down the border. And they're just going into the interior city sized populations in a single span of weeks. I mean, if you look at just the last two months, you have a 180,000 people. That's like the size of little rock, Arkansas, God, just Todd, cross the border. Todd. It's exactly yeah. the same thing as I was saying five years ago. This is eerily, eerily similar. It's ex- exactly what I was saying. I was saying we are importing into the United Kingdom alone the size of a small to medium British town every year of people. Uh, the the uh, in terms of mass migration, it's I'm sorry, it's just it's so frustrating to hear you you saying these things because it's it's so it should have been so abundantly clear. Todd, I want to ask you about this. The the migrants when they arrive at the borders have been pictured wearing Biden T-shirts, right? They say Biden let us in, or Biden said we should come here, or something like to to to, to that effect. Um, this many have joked is the largest Biden rally they've ever seen. And, and believe me, I, I get that joke. Uh, but at the same time, what's going on is no joke. Uh, what, 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 what do we tell and, and, and how do you respond to these people who have you know, rationally responded to the effective invitation and request from the President of the United States to amass down on their border? 
Look, about a year, about a year ago, uh, January 2020, I was in southern Mexico and Guatemala on that border uh, for a series I did called uh, America's Other Southern Border. Mm. And while I was down, this was during the Democratic campaign. So all of the different candidates were talking about who was going to be the most uh, open with migrants. And I started interview. I wasn't looking for this, but as I was interviewing migrants, Central Americans and Pakistanis and Indians and everybody else, uh, they t- volunteered to me that they were coming into Mexico because they expected a Democrat to win office uh, and replace Trump and open the border up. Uh, once Biden won, I, I interviewed many migrants who told me that they were making life plans changes in their personal decision making uh, life plans based on the fact that Joe Biden won. Mm. Uh, I was just in Juarez uh, last month and interviewing migrants on the other side, getting ready to come over Cubans and Haitians and uh, everybody else. And, you know, that this, this, what we're seeing right now, I just, I just can't emphasize this em- enough. It is absolutely true that the Biden administration caused this with their words and deeds. They caused this directly. Uh, those migrants are moving here not because of hurricanes or right. you know, any kind of government persecution or anything like that. They're coming now because Joe Biden said he'd let them all in. Uh, about, right. a, lot of, uh, a lot of these situations... Yeah, go ahead, Todd. Uh, just real quickly, about uh, five weeks ago, I, I, I don't have the exact date, I wrote a piece about a mad dash of a of a of about three to four hundred Cubans across the international bridge from Juarez to El Paso. Uh, CBP got wind of this, suited up in riot gear, and stopped them. But on the bridge for about six hours, they were chanting Biden, 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 Biden over and over again. Just tells you in a very illustrative way uh, what is causing this. Mm. Mm. Unreal, unreal. Just to live it again. The second I said unreal the first time it happened in Europe. Now, now happening here yeah. again. Um, Todd, I got to tell you. I mean, I'm I'm sure the audience will be left dejected with your answer. With to the question, what can they do? Which is, and your answer was, well, nothing really. Um, but I would suggest, uh, not to go against uh, what my guest is saying, not to be churlish about it, I would suggest that it's still worth lighting up the phone lines and the email boxes of, 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 of you know, representatives across the country to at least, at least urge some transparency on this issue and, and urge that people are, are you know, if the, if the Department for Homeland Security and the White House are, are, are trying to hide the numbers... That the least, the least that people want is to know the ugly truth, uh, rather than having having even the details hidden for them. So do 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 get in touch uh, with your representatives, ladies and gentlemen. The the book is America's Covert Border War. 
the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration. Todd, we're going to be putting up a link on the website to the book as well in, at the bottom of your article, pushing that out. I'll make sure to, to share it across all my social media platforms. So thank you for your time, Todd. And uh, and hang on the line. Don't hang up. I've got to talk to you once I conclude uh, the, the podcast, which will be any second now. Todd, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, I was going to, I was going to in this show today, and, and you know it's a little bit later than, uh, than I usually have it, I was going to today talk about the little uh, tete-a-tete, I suppose you could call it, that I had with, with Dana Lash yesterday on social media after she churlishly attacked Governor Eric Greitens. But I'm not going to do that today because Todd's been such a great guest and this is such a great standalone episode that I don't want to sully it with, I think, just some awful, awful things that Dana Lash has been saying. Never Trumper, put, was on that front page of National Review saying against Trump, now is doing the same thing to Eric Brightons. I think it's gross. I stood up for him. I'll always stand up for good people. But we'll save the detail for another day, shall we? Oh, not a day too long in the future, believe me, but we'll save the detail for another day. We'll get this podcast up and into your cellular devices, your laptop computers, your web browsers and however else you listen to and consume the national pulse i'm just grateful that you do and if you like our work if you want to support us we don't take money from millionaires or billionaires or big corporates all of those alls should have been nors i'm sorry <laughs> so if you want to support us head on over to the nationalpulse.com forward slash support it is because of your support that we are able to host a large, well-designed, well-laid-out website. Happy birthday to Wahagen, who did our web design. It is because of your support that we get 16 million page views to the site in January. Just amazing, amazing, amazing numbers. And we will continue to plow our time and efforts in. It's because of your support, ladies and gentlemen, that great authors and thinkers like Todd and uh, Steve Cortez and... Others who are pitching me op-eds non-stop are coming to the site and contributing and want to be part, like you, of the National Pulse. Thank you, and I'll see you again tomorrow.